0: Charles Smith. Wow. Well, wait, wait till you hear Charles's story. He had trauma when he was young. His mother died when he was five. His father had his businesses taken away and they moved or various locations, 10 different homes in 11 years. His Navajo reservation where he was treated. It was like a ceremony. He was involved in involuntarily. Um, His father died when he was 11 and fell into addiction and uh, went into the military where there was trauma there, an explosion in a tank, it was Gitmo, just PTSD from when his mother died all the way through the military, just uh, an absolute um, incredible childhood story and how he turned it around uh, with exercise and martial arts, meditation and yoga And what he does now, he's now a seven-time author. He's written seven books. And he teaches people how to cope, how to cope with trauma and don't give up. My very first question I asked Charles is, what do you hope people can learn from your experience? And just an incredible story of a man who not only turned it around for himself, for his son, beautiful a 10-year-old son, but he decided to turn around and turn around to others and to help others, help veterans, help people with PTSD. He, he attempted suicide at one point. He was a carver. He totally carved in his body, you know, F you to the world and uh, just an incredible, inspiring story. Charles Smith, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born, next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change, discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges. In your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey pins discipline conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Smith thank you so much for doing this so what is the greatest lesson you know that you hope people can learn from your experiences
1: don't give up hope you know keep on um keep on pushing you know as bad as things get just don't give up you, know, you fall ten times, get up eleven. Yeah,
0: and you you've proven that with your story. I mean, it's uh it's um it's an absolutely incredible story. Um the good news is that you're here with us, you're helping, you're helping those who need, you're helping people who don't need it, by the way. Like yourself myself, you inspire me. You have a, a beautiful son, uh, and uh it's a, a- absolutely wonderful. So it, it kind of started there in Worcester in in um Massachusetts. I'm in New Haven. I'm just south of you. Uh, right. Yeah. And um,
1: oh, okay.
0: it all kind of started when you were a kid and you know, your father had, had some great businesses and it all kind of fell apart.
1: Yeah, exactly. My, um, my father owned multiple nursing homes and he had land in Worcester and one day he just lost it all. And my grandfather actually built a duplex for my parents and us to live in. And then he rented out the other side to my other aunt. But um, yeah, it was just like sudden and nobody this knows day. what happened. Nobody knows. Yeah, to this day, nobody knows exactly what happened. My wow. grandfather knew, but he took it to his grave. And yeah, then,
0: yeah, yeah. and then your mother passes and you start going, you were in a Navajo reservation.
1: Yeah. My mother passed away when I was six of, um, an overdose pills and alcohol. And, um, then my father took me and my sister out to Arizona in. um, we actually moved to yeah. 10 different houses. I have a book, my first 11 years of my life, and I call it 10 homes in 11 years. And we lived on a Navajo reservation in Arizona. My uh, my father was a, um, a chef, and they hired him as a chef at the college over there. And then we moved to Van Horn, Texas, Which was a little spot, you know, hole in a wall. Um, When I was there, I understand now we fly Mm. uh, shuttles out of there, space shuttles out of there. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a little hole in a wall on the Texas-Mexico border. That's where my father. You mentioned
0: when you were younger at the Navajo, that there was some kind of, they, they forced you to become a blood brother. What do you recall about that? That I don't, I I know very little about Navajo and just reservation life.
1: Yeah, I was, I was a minority. I mean, I honestly, their, their views is, Hmm. I didn't belong there because I was white, you know? And, um, they, one time they held me down, the kids held me down, they invited me over to this person's house and I they cut my hand and I and then someone else cut their hand and then we exchanged blood. And they basically said wow. you're you're one of us now. Yeah, yeah. It was really
0: Did they treat you differently weird. after that?
1: to say the least. I was treated a little differently still after that. Yeah, yeah. It, yep, until we left. Um, I had to deal with that. I had to deal with... Uh, they have a um, folklore about hmm. a skinwalker. And what a skinwalker is, is kind of like A werewolf but it takes human shape but then it can take animal shape and it walks around with um, with skins of animals on its back, skins of its victims on its back and they used to constantly, granted I was maybe like eight or nine they would constantly tell me that the skinwalker is going to kill me and the skinwalker is after me and this and that and I remember one time I was in my house, my father was working, me and my sister were in my house. My sister decided to shut off all the lights and my dog was in the house. She shut off all the lights and left and all of a sudden I just see these two eyes wow. coming sure. at me. Like, you know how a dog's eyes are when, when it's they're just coming at me and I'm I'm just like, I'm freaked out <laughs> <laughs> to no end. And <clears throat> shortly after that, we, I don't know why, but my father left that job. And then we moved to Van Horn, Texas. My, he had a lot of um, health issues. Like before we even left Massachusetts, he um, he had two strokes. Wow. Yeah, he was 30 years older than my mother. He right. was an older gentleman.
0: And you talk yeah. about he died in your arms there in Texas at 11.
1: Yeah, we we were in a dirt poor apartment. Like, me and him shared a bed, a full-size bed, and no mattress. I mean, no box spring, just a mattress. And we had cardboard boxes that we kept our clothes in, and um, the list goes on and on. But I woke up one day, and he's making coffee, and um, I just have like this really eerie feeling come over me. Yeah, and I I go over to him, I hug him, and I'm like, Dad, I want to stay home. From school. He's like, no, you missed too much already. You gotta go. So I went in the bathroom and I shoved my finger down my throat so I would get sick, prove to him that I didn't feel good. And then I went, you know, I went back to him. Hey, I, uh, you know, threw up and he let me stay home. We dropped my sister off at school and then we um, went to a store. And at the store, he passed out. And the um, store clerk knew him and gave him orange juice because he knew that he was a diabetic. And then he came to. And then we went back to um, our house. And we were there, I don't know, maybe an hour. And he passed out again. And then I ran over to uh, my neighbor's house. And I um, told the neighbor what was going on, and she ran over, and he was still unconscious. We, we brought him to the hospital. And at the hospital, he came to, and then he, um, you know, I was right there, and he just looked at me, and then he was gone. We were, um, you know, holding each other's hand. And then he he was just gone
0: and you said you went yeah. into a deep shock you actually didn't speak for six months
1: yeah and I totally forgot about that my um when I wrote my book ten homes in eleven years I there's a lot that I forgot about my childhood so I talked to my sister about it and she she told me that when I came home from Van Horn, Texas to Massachusetts, I didn't even speak to her for six months. Yeah, and I was just in a, um, you know, such shock because of everything that, that I just went through in the past 11 years. And, yeah, it's... It's funny in a way, how and not haha funny, but it's funny in a way how PTSD mm. does that, trauma does that. It just erases the the memory out of your head mm. as a part of self-preservation. You soon,
0: you soon, and I I appreciate you you reliving this and and talking to me about it. Uh, you replaced kind of hatred with resentment. You know, you, you felt like the world owed you, and you just started becoming an addict. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. A lot of my... Well, from like 12 to 18, I did whatever I could to get myself in trouble. (laughs) You know, I I was very... um, I acted out at every turn I had. You know, I got caught stealing at a couple different stores. I got into fights, this and that. And I I did. I felt like the world Mm. owed me because of what happened. And when I was... Not even 18, probably when I was 16, 17. Me and my friends started drinking and smoking cigarettes. And then that turned to pot. And then I had a cousin that I idolized because he was a few years older, had the biggest truck in Worcester, had a woman on each arm, money flowing out of his pockets, and he was doing cocaine. So I'm like, oh, okay. I want to do that too, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so I, I got, I really got into um, that. And then my aunt, I was, I was so bad off that my aunt literally told me, "Get out, get a job, and don't come back." Yeah, which was tough love that I needed at the time. Yeah, you know? and so I, I, I went out. And I came back later that day. I'm like, I'll be out of here in a month. I just joined the military.
0: And she was happy about that, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, she she was like, <laughs> I didn't mean to but get still. a bet. <laughs> but yeah, but still, she wasn't upset about it. And then you, 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 yeah.
0: you were in basic training, and you explained that you were so skinny that they had to give you double meals.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was, because of the crack and the alcohol, I was really, um, really skinny. I mean, I almost didn't survive basic training. I If if not for the soldiers mm-hmm. around me, I probably wouldn't have survived because they, they pushed me. And yeah, I had to eat. Um, they made me eat, like put extra on every plate uh-huh. that I had.
0: And then after that, yeah, you, you're yeah, you're yeah. kind of shipped off to Fort Carson, Colorado, where you had a really traumatic experience in a tank.
1: Yes. Um, I became an 11 Mike, which is a Bradley um, Mechanized Infantry, Bradley driver. And I was driving for my uh, XO at the time. <clears throat> and we went to the National Training Center where we didn't have our usual equipment. We had to use everything that they gave us. And they gave us a defective Bradley. And when um, we we were firing downrange once and all of a sudden I just hear this loudest bang that I've ever heard in my life and the the whole Bradley filled up with smoke, and I see the barrel flying as of, as it's filling up with smoke. I can hardly see out of my window, but I see the the turret the gun the twenty five millimeter shooting down range, Wow, like flying down range like and then my gunner and my b c are yelling, they got burnt severely, and um were blinded for six months and so i got out of i got out of my seat i ran around um opened up the hatch the the back hatch and then i got in and i got them out and by then everybody was running over to my bradley anyway and helping me out but yeah after that i i I, it was kind of like uh top gun when goose died you know um Maverick didn't want to go back into the into the uh the cockpit i for the remainder of the time which i think was like th- two or three weeks wow. i wouldn't drive the Bradley i was like no i'll it was enough for me to sit in the back of the Bradley at the edge of the the ramp that's as far as i would go you know even now, I just put in, uh, two nights ago, I just put in my um, my TBI service-connected because I think, or well, my doctors think that I still have issues because of my TBI that I experienced. TBI
0: right is?
1: Oh, traumatic brain injury.
0: Incredible, yes. Charles. And then you were at Gitmo for six months. Tell us about that.
1: That's that was a trip. Um, we ended up uh, being selected to go to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, for one month, and you know we all shipped over. And then at the end of that one month, they informed us that we were going to be there for another five. My my colonel wanted his full bird colonel, so he offered us up. <laughs> in exchange for his next rank hmm. and um, yeah that, that was that was an experience. We, we had a bunch of Cubans and Haitians trying to get over to the US wow. on nothing bigger than a door. you know I, I have a picture of a kid that is my son's age was my son's age, like nine and he lost everything he lost his his mother his father his siblings the coast guard found him on a on a makeshift raft by himself everybody else was gone at that time they all died in the ocean and um yeah we we our job there was um hmm. riot control because we couldn't let the cubans and the haitian's just go into the U, into the us we had to get them you know properly do all the red tape and get them in the right way so we had them in camps you know we we had tents up and all that for for them and there was a bunch of riots because they didn't want to be it was like going from one you know their country that was holding them, mm. you know, pretty much against their will. And then we did <laughs> kind of the same thing. You know, we, we, we put them in camps with barbed wire and everything. And it was pretty much the same thing. We, we put them in from one detention to another. So there was a lot of riots. And, um, yeah, we... We had um, a lot of different, like just people throwing whatever they could at us. I've had feces mm. thrown at me, um, spit on everything. You know, it, it was it was a horrible time. Wow, and and, and yeah. it's
0: still going on now. There, right?
1: Well now they have um the camps yeah, or prisons, now yeah. Now they have prisons actually. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and those are for like terrorists etc. Yeah. People that they I can't play oh, And they margins. weren't there when you were there. Oh, I no, see. No, no, they weren't there when I was there. No. No, just the Cubans and the Haitians were there. Um that happened. I was there in '95, and I believe they built the yeah, jails and everything, right. in the, after 19, 9/11, yes. now, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and that yeah. is horrible. Yeah. And then, just to kind of you know build a picture for listening of you know your background, you 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 end the military, then your your uncle and your grandfather die a month apart.
1: Yeah, I back in. 2000, right after 9-11, um, I was living over at some friend's house and my uncle became sick with cancer and my grandfather the same at the same time. And they both ended up passing away a, a month apart due to, due to cancer. And I got a picture of my uncle right there that I keep on my desk. And, um, I fell into the deepest depression that I've ever fallen into. It was like losing my father all over again, twice, you know, not just with my uncle, but with my grandfather too, because Mm -hmm. my grandfather was my legal guardian and my uncle was like my father figure. So yeah, that, that was just traumatic. I ended up yeah. carving on myself just to feel something other than what I was feeling. Um, it got so bad that I I took a bottle of sleeping pills, a whole bottle, wrote the words F you world in my arm and fell asleep, yeah. carved. Not wrote, but carved F U World on my arm and fell asleep. And um my my friends found me and they sent me to um the UMass Memorial Hospital. And then after that I went to the Brockton VA which was um for lack of a better term uh psychiatric ward and um after that time there i think i spent like two weeks there something like that and then they sent me to a place in boston that was full it was mm-hmm. a homeless shelter but it was full so um i ended up on the streets for a little bit sleeping in uh atm um you know the yeah the vestibules yep and eating out of whatever eating whatever i could find you know and then um weeks later i found another shelter because i didn't know anywhere anything around boston weeks later I i found another shelter people brought me you know i got to know some of the other homeless people and they showed me the ropes pretty much and that's where my life like i totally turned around like i figured out that i Mm. the world didn't owe me i owe the world you know it took me seeing the homeless people it took me seeing the veterans that are in the different shelters to open my eyes and tell me that, Hey, you're not alone in this.
0: Incredible. When you think about this, I mean, now we get to the real great part, you know, where you start coping and you start exercising and martial arts. But when you think about everything in before that, Charles, do you, do you separate that? Do you think that was me, but do you think that was such a different person? Do you like to talk about it? What is your feelings about all that time?
1: Well, I was actually just, um, I put a post on social media about tonight. And, um, I was, I was talking, yeah. And I was talking about it. Um, Meatloaf, the singer, he, um, in one of his songs, he has, Mm. is this a blessing or is this a curse? Could Could it get any better? Could it get any worse? And, um. A lot of my life, I look at it like that. You mm. know, like I'm here now because I've had a traumatic life, and that's both a blessing and a curse. You know, right. I wouldn't be talking to you if I had a normal life. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be mm. a seven time author if I had a, if I had a normal life. You know, so. To answer your question, I do think that sometimes, like, I know I lived that life, but mm. it seems like someone else, you know, and it's it's weird. Like, I was just telling someone the other day that, um, you know, I I know that I've went through all this, but at the same time, it's like... Like I, I look at my 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 friend's picture over there that he committed suicide of um a few years ago, and I, I it, it's just baffling to me. Like I remember that life. I have a picture of him and me sitting right there, but then to hear about him taking his own life, you know, hear about this and that, it's like. It's hard to put the pieces together. You know, and even um, because of my PTSD, I I forget a lot. And memories just tend to leave me. Friends talk about stuff that we we did in the past. And part of me is like, oh, yeah, yep, yep. But the inside of me is like, I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like it, it was, it was someone else's life,
0: and and how did you get in? I I happened. I just recently started getting into martial arts, and I, I really love it. How did somebody introduce you to that and uh, and exercise? How did you make that kind of pivot?
1: I um, I was living in Gardner, Massachusetts, in a vet in a veterans' housing facility, and I decided to. I wanted to um get out and walk around and and I was walking one day and I um I seen Gardner Martial Arts Academy. And so I um I went in one day. I walked by a few times, like I'm gonna go in there one day. <laughs> and then I, I forced myself to go in there. And my sensei Vinnie Smith was there. And um we just started talking and I told him my my situation and he took me on as a student. And Shaolin Kumpo Karate. It's a amazing form. It's got um like five different martial arts within one martial art. Like yeah, like some martial arts teach you how to punch and kick. But what do you do if you're on the ground? What do you do if you're in this situation or that situation? Shaolin Kempo Karate teaches you everything like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Kempo, um, this, that karate. Of course. Do you still practice it now? Yep. Right now I'm experiencing shoulder injury. So I haven't in a little while. And how did it help other than that? Yes. Yep. Hmm. It taught me focus. Yeah. Yeah. Like um a lot of a lot of my life up to like 7 8 years ago probably I my yeah. mind was like the Indy 500 constantly racing around and around and around and then I I um I was doing yeah. that and I started meditation and I started yoga yeah. which I still do meditation and yoga every day. And, um, yeah, that taught me to, uh, how to focus my thoughts and not have that race car going <laughs> in a circle every second. In my it's head.
0: amazing. Uh, I, I just started jujitsu only about a month now, but the, the discipline that happens in there is so attractive to me, the way that you know, like you say, the sensei, he just removes all ego because some of these people are different degree belts and they could really hurt people. But the idea, ego is gone. The idea is we all learn together. And just the way he levels the playing field like that, it's so inviting and it's so rewarding as well. Um, It it really is wonderful. I encourage people to do that. You, Mm -hmm. You mentioned meditation and I find a common thread through people that I talk to that you know be that are that are high achievers and meditation comes up a lot and uh, i'm so fortunate i got to sit through some of your meditations on your youtube uh you you were doing something with the, with the um right. the suicides the military the 22
1: yeah mission 22 yeah i um suicide is something that i'm very passionate about right because I'm a survivor, but because, also because I know what, you know, if we just hold on, what can happen in your life? Like, if I took my life at no. that time that I tried to kill myself, not only would my son not be here, right. because he's nine, that happened like 20 years ago to do the math, and you know, not only that, but I'm going to buy a house this year. I have, thank you. I have a nice truck. That um, you know, my my life is together. I work with a amazing company called the Recovery Care. And you know, my my life has just taken mm. such a turn. You know that it wouldn't have if I if I succeeded you know even being here writing my books doing this doing that you know i the list just goes on and on you know and i when i i remember when my uncle passed away or when he was sick i wrote a poem for him called the battle of a lifetime and that's the battle that's the name of my i, I named hmm. my addiction recovery book after that but um, in that poem, I say, I wish I could mm. take his place. You know, and now now right. I look at it and I'm like, I'm alive for a reason. But before I was like, you know, my, my life is nothing. Take me, leave him.
0: Are you a spiritual person, Charles?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> I um I believe it all exists. I was raised Roman Catholic. So I I I believe in God and Jesus Christ and all that. But I've also come to realize that hmm. I'm not I'm I'm only human. So to say that like the wiccan god and goddess or um this God or that God, Zeus, Apollo, you know, any of those mm. to say that those don't exist, I don't think is my place as a human being, you know, and I've, I've seen so many good, bad and ugly in my life that I believe it's all real. I believe that mm. the devil is real. I believe God is real. I believe everything, you know, it all exists. And it all depends on what we do with it. Like if if you told me that that microphone in front of you was your God and that's what got you through the day, I wouldn't argue. You know, I'd be like, okay, that's what gets you through the day. That's good. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, my, that's my spirituality, I guess, per se.
0: You know, because during recovery and everything you've gone to, through, and you know, even at the reservation where you, you're meeting, you know, so many different kind of aspects on spirituality. Spirituality. I wonder where you know where you sat with that. It's a, it's a great answer that you have. It's just like I have certain views, and other people's views is really none of my business. You know, um, like I, um, uh, going back to meditation and yoga. Uh, how you talk greatly about that. You, you talk about how. People are afraid to meditate because they have thoughts through their head, and that's that's just the wrong way to view it.
1: Yeah, people, even my my clients who are aware of recovery care, they um like, oh, I don't want to meditate because I can't right. stop my myself from thinking. Like even mm-hmm. the most dedicated monks that meditate hours on end have thoughts going into their head. But, in order for you to meditate properly, you don't let it park mm. in your head and take up space. You know, you, you um you let it flow through. You know, process and leave. It's like a, a a good friend of mine told me years ago. He's like, picture a tree with leaves on it, and picture a river underneath. The, the tree flowing. The thoughts are leaves on the tree and they fall into the mm. into the river and they float away. And then they're gone. You know, that that's the mm. to me that's a real trick to meditation. It's to not get caught up in your thoughts when it's yeah, so ne- Sorry, go ahead. You please And if you oh go ahead. If you do it enough then it comes into, you know, that's, regular life where you're, uh,
0: that's an excellent analogy. Yeah. I also heard the analogy of, you know, picture traffic going, you know, left and right in front of you. And those are your thoughts and you're sitting away from it, looking at it from the outside, you know, so you separate yourself from your thoughts. It's okay that they're there, but just try to separate yourself from them.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: I I, I yeah, love the I I meditate too. as often as possible. You know, just uh, quiet. When you meditate, is it assisted or are you unassisted?
1: I do. Oh, that's um, right. Candle meditation. You show in your tub. Yeah, I, I I love that one. Yeah, yeah. But I also do. Um, oh yeah, there's a, there's the a few apps.
0: App? Yeah, calm is one.
1: Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, calm. I do every morning, and I I, I post the uh, there's a, a picture with a motivational thing after it, and I post that onto my um, Instagram and YouTube, or not Instagram and YouTube, Instagram Facebook and uh, Facebook. You, you know, a great habit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I remember reading about it. Is that once you once way to start a great habit is you know after I brush my teeth, I will floss. You know so I want to start flossing, so you just couple it with another habit you already have, you know. And uh, every day I do Duolingo, you know, I, I'm trying mm-hmm. to refresh my Italian. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna now that's a really good idea you just gave me. It's just with the mind app or with the calm app, I'm just gonna add it to right after or right before that to kind of uh, get in a routine. It, it helps a lot. How d- did you like writing? Yeah. Charles, I mean you're a seven time book. Did you like writing as a child?
1: <clears throat> Not really. <laughs> if um if you asked me if I was gonna be an uh. author when I grew up, I'd i tell you no. Yeah. Um with my with my PTSD um and attention span with that, I could read a page of a book, give it to yeah. you and not know what I read. So I've actually wow. written more books in my life than I've read. Even in college I used YouTube and audiobooks to retain the information because for some reason I hmm. I can't read something and retain it.
0: And what do you do with the blank page? I mean, you start. You're, you know, when you when you have the idea of the book, how do you start it?
1: That's a good question. Um, I start off with the main topic, obviously, and then I like figure out what and storyboard um, different aspects. I, yeah, like a storyboard what different aspects I want to talk about. And like when I'm writing a book, I don't start at the beginning and work till the end. Like in that storyboard, if there's one topic that I feel like writing about today, it could be 50 pages in, I'll write about that topic. And I mean, that's that's a self-help book way of how I do it. Um, but even in, even in, with my memoir, hmm. now that I think about it, I did it that way too. And at, Yeah. I picked, Do you journal every day? Talk about.
0: Do you journal at all? You don't journal.
1: I don't. So you just have no, an idea of a no, book,
0: and no. I'm going to dedicate the next X amount of days, weeks, months to writing this book. That's what you do.
1: Wow. Yes. Yep. <sighs> yep. yep. You know, a book normally takes me – six months to a year to write.
0: You know, I can't, I can't wait to ask this question now. And so, you know, the podcast, we talk a lot about discipline, you know, I I lost a lot of weight and people always ask me, how did you lose the weight? Like there's some secret to it. And I just say, you know, just discipline. I just, you know, doctor said, I'm not going to see my daughter, uh, when she graduates, which by the way, she just graduated last week. Uh, but, yeah, thank you. Uh, oh, nice. It's crazy Congrats. to think. But so, <laughs> you, you know, with, yeah. given your history in the military with, with addiction, with family loss, with with everything that you've gone through, how is your view of discipline now versus then? And how does it play a role in your life, Charles?
1: Well, back then I had no discipline whatsoever until I went into the military and then that taught me discipline. Yeah, when I when I was little None. I had no discipline whatsoever. Um, no, no. Not in myself anyway. No. Nope. And um now I I have a lot of discipline mm. in my life, like with the martial arts, you know, even even with a shoulder injury it's hard to mm. not do it. Mm. <laughs> because I'm so used to doing it. And um with the yoga and the meditation i do that like clockwork and i write i try to write a few times a week i try to put time aside a few times a week you know if even if i even if i think about new topics to write about and not write anything you know at least i did something in the upcoming book and
0: it's just incredible to me and you have a son now things are going very well. You get to see him. I mean, you're still not without tragedy. Your cousin that you mentioned before was missing and he had addiction. And unfortunately with tragedy that happened there, certainly it's, it's not like our life can be perfect mm-hmm. even as you battle through these. And you mentioned that you, you don't, you don't go into cracked dens and places like this because you don't trust yourself.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still um I don't know what I would do right. if I was around it so I, I just don't even right. not like I want it cuz I don't but um I don't trust myself enough to put myself in that But the situation. remarkable
0: discipline and what I love and and respect and get inspired about you most Charles is not only did you turn yourself around and you're you're doing it for your son, and you're doing it for yourself, and you're, but you're writing books, you're taking clients on, you have a certificate now where you're actually helping others. You're you, so many people don't take that extra step. And okay, look, this is what happened to me. I'm going to be fine now. But you're you're just actually opening yourself up to others and and using these life experiences to help them. That's absolutely remarkable, Charles. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you so. You know, I I just, yeah, I think that's why I'm here. You know, besides my son, I think the reason that I'm here is to inspire others, to help others. And, you know, that's why I, I guess that's what I use to make sense of it all. You you know, but I I use that, I use my story to help others, you know, like my, my clients I'll sit there and on a first meeting we'll, we'll sit there and exchange stories, you know? And then that, that opens up a, you know, uh, if it's a veteran, it opens up a brotherhood, you know, between the two of us, you know, and that's, that's what, it helps me it's weird a lot of people um they they don't want to tell their story because they're ashamed or they're afraid to tell it but with me and with a lot of other people that i know in, in the same you know boat um we tell our stories and it helps you know because we know that somewhere out there, it's going to help somebody. You know, like I used to work in a detox and I would, I would tell my story and, you know, clients would come up to me afterwards and like, thank you, you know, come up and shake my hand and you, you just changed my life, that sort of thing. And that is more rewarding than any other payment whatsoever.
0: If you could change any part of your life, would you?
1: That's another good question.
0: (laughs) Um, Because if you did, you wouldn't be the person you are now.
1: Yeah, I think about that a lot. I do. Like, um, sometimes I, you know, if I stayed in the military, Mm. I'd be able to retire by now but the chances of me meeting my son's mother when I was in the military Mm. are slim to none. You know, my... um, I wouldn't be, even if I was still alive, because Mm -hmm. I would probably go overseas multiple times, if I was alive, I probably wouldn't be an author. I probably wouldn't be doing this. You know, so... I don't think I would change anything. I mean, so, some right. things, yeah, like my mother and my father. I would love to have them. I would love. Wow. My father would be over a hundred right now, honestly, but I would love to have my mother in my life right now. You know, and my uncle and mm. things like that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would. Lo- I would love to be able to change that outcome. But I've no. I've realized a long time ago that you can't you know and you just have to you can either let this situation take you over or you can take it over yourself you know like like i said in the beginning if you fall down mm. 10 times you get up 11 you know
0: absolutely inspiring charles what motivates you now
1: thank you my kid and um, people you know people around me the good people in my life like there's been so much going on in this in this country right now you know with COVID with the shooting less uh, earlier this week that we sometimes forget about the, the good people you know we, we we look at all the evil and the bad and the you know this and that and we, we get swallowed up by it i'm a firm believer that this this country is in a as far as mm-hmm. mental health we're in an all-time low so many people are experiencing depression anxiety and you know ptsd i mean this. You don't have to have, um, you know, direct contact with a situation in order for you to have PTSD. Like I, I'll never forget. Um, I after the marathon bombing in Boston, me and me and my my ex, who was still together, we brought my the kids to um, Hawaii and there was people in Hawaii that were really, you know, shaken up, crying about the marathon bombing, you know, and people, you don't, you don't have to be like in a situation right. for it to affect you. And I, I, I think that's a lot of what's going on with people right now. Like I was talking to a special forces uh, client of mine, Um, And he was telling me that he just heard in the news that I think in the past week, there was like 20 or past few weeks, there was like 26 um, mass shootings. You know, and people just, it swallows you up, you know, if you don't let it that's why i i a lot of my mm. books are on coping skills because your your coping skills need to be stronger than the environment around you in order for you to remain positive and in a healthy state of mind
0: you know mental health is a serious issue and uh, the good news is that more than ever we're hearing you know athletes you know, celebrities talk about battling it themselves, which we we've, we've never really heard, you know, and we are recently. So I think even us talking about it, it's getting better in that We're more of aware of it now. It's not where it should be, but let's start talking about more. And the more the celebrities can talk about it, then people don't be ashamed of it if they have it. You know, and major athletes. We saw that Olympian uh, Simone Biles, who said she, you know, she didn't actually compete in some of the Olympic events because she, you know, has these kinds of issues. And it only helps. It only helps others and helps themselves. I, I I hope that conversation continues. Um, Exactly. Uh, How do you measure success, Charles?
1: I don't measure it in wealth. I mean, talk about all the celebrities, Mm. Robin Williams, um, Mm. Chester Bennington, suicide, because they, you know, they they suffered from depression. And so I, I, I measure success by how good my kid is doing in school. I rate success by, you know, how my week went with clients. Um, How I, you know, how much I got done during the week. You know, as far as like advertising for my books or writing for my books or, you know, doing extra projects that I want to do. Mm. That's how I rate success yeah i don't i don't rate it like overall i mean right now i'm i'm in a better position now than i've been in well over a decade financially but i don't i don't look at that as success you know? and uh, yeah That's growth right. is a huge yeah, per sector of growth. success yeah yeah. it's it's always yep.
0: fascinating to me when i ask people that question how very few say money and they say similar things to yourself growth and family and um you know so going back to the very first question i asked you is like what what do you want people to you know learn what you hope to achieve from your story and it's don't give up and i i echo that and uh, you're, you're yeah. showing that now and you didn't. And, uh, it's just absolute inspiration, Charles Smith. Thank you so much for your time today. How can we get in touch with you? Your, your YouTube channel you. is excellent. By the way, Charles, you should have a podcast. You're very good at talking completely by yourself, and uh, which I'm not, by the way. I, I'm very good in, in conversations, but I'm, I can't. And you're very good at, you know, you go a good twenty minutes, and it's captivating. And you, uh, you do a great job of bringing it all together. You lit the candle, and you show how you meditate. And there's other ones you have. What? Well, Where you go through your books? Uh, I'll just throw that out. You should have a podcast, but please, how can we get in touch with you?
1: Um, LifelongExperience.net has all my information on it. It's got all my books. It's got um, a contact page that people can get in touch and with me on. You're on
0: LinkedIn, you're on Facebook, yep. you're on Twitter, YouTube that I'm I mentioned, on, Instagram, yes.
1: Lifelong Experience. Uh,
0: Charles Smith, thank you so much. Yep. Uh, yep. I look forward yep. uh, to one day sitting down with you, face-to-face, having a cup of coffee. I'm not that far from you. If I ever find myself up north, I, I would look forward to that. And thank you so much for your time today.
1: Yeah, that, I would love to. That, that's right. I can't Italians. tell with that last name. I, am
0: Italian.
1: <laughs> I see. <laughs> Charles. Oh, my my family's last go. name there is Lorenzo. i will do it. Charles, thank
0: you so much. <laughs> thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com there you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list please follow us on all our social media instagram twitter and facebook podcast information the video version of our podcast is on youtube please subscribe audio is on all major podcasting platforms please follow them and if you like it please consider giving five star rating would really appreciate that would you like to financially support the podcast you can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, $10, or $20 a month. There's all kinds of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? $25, $50, $100, $500, $1,000, $5,000. You be the judge. You can go to our PayPal account to do that as well. Thank you again for listening or watching Joey Pins Discipline Conversation.